I'm here with my friend, John Bob Simple. What's up, Dave? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm so good. glad to be here. I'm good. Well, as a, as a, as a church, um, Frontline's going through the Sermon on the Mount on Sundays, and we wanted to shoot some of these videos to really come around some of the amazing things, challenging things yeah. that Christ preaches in that sermon. And one of the things that he's really challenging about and, and provocative about is, yep. is care for the poor. Absolutely. And so I wanted to sit down with you, not only as my friend and a, and a leader at one of our sister churches, Christ Central, but as a man that is a leader in a local ministry that helps serve, what, over 130,000 people in poverty every week? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, my, my time at the Regional Food Bank has been um, one that um, has mirrored much of my other work as a nonprofit professional in the last 10 years plus years. Um, uh, it's, it's amazing for it to, it's not a ministry in the sense of, um, being a faith-based organization, but we partner with over 65, 70% of our agencies, the 316 that serve people in the 53 counties in central and western Oklahoma. Um, we partner with and really aid, um, so many different churches, so many different ministries that are trying to answer these exact same questions every day. So glad to be here. When I... When I look at some of the words of Jesus um, in this sermon as it relates to, to care for the poor, um, some things that jump out right away. Chapter 5, verse 42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Chapter 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them, for then you will have re your reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, so when you give, there's not a charge to give, but he's just like, hey, everybody's doing it. It's expected. It's expected when yeah. you give, right? Um, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, again, but when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then lastly, simply what struck me is just the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Mm. So there seems to be some barriers in the modern church, at least in our context, whether mm. it's Oklahoma City or Edmond, where compared to the early church, our church today, the average church member, isn't marked and known by mm -hmm. a real heart yeah. and desire to give to the poor. Why do you think that is? I think one of the most important things that we have to start with is, do you see people? Do you see them? Oftentimes we look past them because it's uncomfortable. We look past them because it's difficult. We don't recognize the fact that to not see a person oftentimes or to call them homeless or the poor or the needy is to objectify them. And if we believe that, that they were created in his image and his likeness, I can't objectify them by just calling them the needy. I have to see them. And I think that's scary to people. I've got a neighbor um, who lives across the street. Um, I don't know him very well, but I know he's struggling. And um, I'm sitting here in my day job talking about poverty in the numbers of hundreds of thousands. Yet my one across the street that I know is struggling I have a hard time engaging and interacting and knocking on the door and being like, I feel like the, you remember uh, people who like knock and dash? People who just like knock, <laughs> knock, knock and they dash or yeah. they, they ring the bell and they dash. Like that's how I feel. I have this pit in my stomach of what happens when he actually opens the door uh, and I give him the cookies that my wife baked for him. You know, 
what happens, what do I say? What does the conversation lead to? I think it's so much scary on our one-to-one level. And so, because it's scary, we exempt ourselves and we're like, well, I tithe. You know, I tithe and it's the church's responsibility. Or I pay my taxes. Well, it's the government's responsibility. And it, there's a tension there. I think one of the questions I often get from people is um, rooted around the idea of toxic generosity mm-hmm. or when helping hurts, which is real. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to perpetuate a problem. I, I want to be helpful, but it's, it's just ignorance or fear as to how can I best engage in a way and how can I really love and serve somebody in a way that's helpful to them. Yeah. You know, I think um, one of the things that's important is that you have to build with somebody, not for somebody. Paternalism is a very, very cruel thing that starts off at this heart that says, I want to help, and then it was, I want to do it for them, and then I want to tell them how they should do it, because that's how I would do it. Well, oftentimes, that, that's the stuff that really gets you into trouble, because people are people who are in poverty or walking through um, poverty are people to love. They're not a project to do. And so where toxic charity comes in is if I see that person as a, chi- as a, as a project, I'm going to over appeal past what I would logically do in any relationship. Well, if it's a relationship, I know your name. And I've asked, where are you from? Man, what are you dealing with? And then I'm probably going to believe you. I, I think there's always that fear that this person is lying to me because they're going to dupe me out of my money. And it's, I'm holding on to this. I think one of the things that as believers that we have on folks that aren't, and, and I would challenge the, the person asking this question to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Mm-hmm. And having that sense of discernment. Scripture speaks to us to have knowledge, add to that knowledge understanding. That knowledge would say, what are people in poverty walking through? What's the tyranny of the moment that they're living in? And then to that understanding, now, how can I best help this person? Mm-hmm. And so I think the toxic charity question is a big one. If I just give cash every single time, if I have a friend and every time they tell me that things are rough and I just open up my wallet every time, my friend's going to eventually be like, is money the thing, the only thing that you need, you think I need? Well, of course, I, I need love and I need affection. I need relationship. I need honesty. I need truth. I need boundaries. All of those things that are in relationship should be there when we go to individually try to help people. And I think sometimes we are, we're afraid to enter into that space because it's awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do when you say no? And they say, well, you got the money, but why don't you give it to me? And it, and it goes to say, how many people bypass that person that day? And how many people did they ask that mm-hmm. for that help? Well, if I see you, I'm going to engage in a way that I might make them feel uncomfortable by just saying, I want to know your name. Yeah. And I want to understand where you're going through. Yeah. Tell me your story. How'd you get here? Tell me, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. Not because you're nosy, but because of the fact they just asked you for some money. Yeah. And so then it becomes a thing of, do I know all of the different tools that I have at my disposal to help somebody? My concern is, is not just a pastor, but just as a Christian for, yeah. for my own life, um, is that my fear of helping in a way that would be hurtful Mm-hmm. And, and perpetuating a, a toxic charity might prevent me from just simply being generous in a way that Jesus is plainly mm-hmm. calling me to be generous. And mm-hmm. in doing so, I, and it's been said before better than I'm going to say it now, but I feel like when I stand before Jesus and have to give a judgment for my walk in life, 
I don't think he's going to be too concerned about me getting taken advantage of. I think he's going to be more concerned with me being greedy. Hmm. And so I think there's some things that can be held in tension or that aren't mutually exclusive. Like when I walk by somebody that's in need and they ask, in a real way, I can just remember what Jesus, Jesus plainly said and say, yeah, here's five bucks, here's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, what is your name? You know? And if I'm walking by that person every day on the way to work, you know, I'm not just no questions asked, handing money over every time that I see their sign. But I, I do want to get to know them. I want to move towards them. I want to say, hey, what, what's brought you here? Tell me about your yeah. story. What's your, what's your name? And s- still be generous when, when they do ask, but more importantly, have moved towards them and, and shared the gospel, mm. learned their story, tried to help, and recognized that God and His sovereignty has placed yeah. somebody quite literally in my path um, that I can share the love of Christ with because he's been generous to me on cosmic eternal levels. And so yeah. how, how can I not open something as base as my, my wallet and give earthly treasure um, just to point to the to love of Jesus? And so my fear is that folks will be so concerned about giving rightly that they don't give at all. Yeah. And when I look at the words of the Sermon of the Mount, I don't, you um, don't see a, <laughs> an I just see a pretty clear charge to... Yeah. To, to be simply obedient. And that doesn't mean that we don't do it in wisdom, mm. but I do think we do it scandalously. Yeah, I think that I think that's that's right on. I think the opportunity that we have um, that that leads to that place and to that heart for the person who's like, I'm just not there yet, is do you see yourself in them? Like when we look at blessed are the poor in spirit so because they're going to see God, right? We can oftentimes make that only ethereal, emotional. Um, there's a meek and there's a quiet spirit that says, you know what, I, I know what it's like to be destitute in my heart. Mm. I, if I see myself rightly, the gospel would tell me that I was cast aside and I had no hope and I was laying on the side of a sidewalk and I was sitting there asking for, hey, will will someone take my sin? Will someone give me hope? Will someone give me peace? If I see myself rightly, all of a sudden you see someone with the external attributes of what's happening in my soul and I can identify with that person and then they can no longer be the other to me. And I think that's an opportunity for us to step in and say, like, if none of this stuff is mine, if none of it is, mm-hmm. I think we, we compartmentalize my tithe is what I give, mm-hmm. which is a lie. Because God then says, no, 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 no. I, it all belongs to me. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Who are you? Who are you confused? Your house, it don't belong to you. <laughs> Matter of fact, your money, it don't belong to you neither. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a, there's a place on a personal level or on a relational level where it just says, okay, Lord, all of it's yours. Yeah. You know, Acts, when it's described in the early church and saying, and they had all things common among them. Yeah. Hey, what, did it, what does it look like to have that? That means someone's going to awkwardly ask for your stuff and you need to awkwardly be like, hey, this is totally awkward for me, but brother, how can I help? And just be honest about that. 
And so I think there's that, that challenge for us to be able to see ourselves rightly and saying, man, I, I was given everything when I had nothing. Mm-hmm. Who am I to withhold that same grace to somebody else? Mm-hmm. And so I think from a heart level, um, do we see our stuff rightly? Do we see ourselves rightly? As we're thinking about Matthew 6, yeah. one of the thoughts that I have just as, as a pastor is um, it grieves me the, the joy that Christians miss out on mm. by walking out generosity like that. <laughs> to be able to like, without social media, without getting a t-shirt, you know, with whatever, just to, yep. to be able to, just before God um, and no one else, be able to walk out generosity is so fun. <laughs> it's so, it brings such joy to a heart. Um, and I, I, people miss out on that. You know, I've got friends that have strategically just shared with me as their pastor, you know, they're not trumpeting it to the world, but how they will seasonally or intentionally or responsively when they have a neighbor in need or somebody they're in community with, um, they budget for the fun of being able to give in secret. And they're some of the most joyful people I know. Um, And it pastors my heart to hear the stories about how they do that. And I think that Jesus, when he's sharing that in Matthew 6, to, hey, don't give this way. Um, give give this way. Give where I know. Uh, give where the Father knows. Um, he's doing that with a heart of mm-hmm. wanting citizens of the kingdom uh, to know the you know, the blessed life, the happy life, the joy of what, it lives, what it's like to live under his rule. And it is that. It is a deep-rooted happiness of soul to be able to reflect the generosity of Jesus into a life. It's so true, man. I think when we look at um, the joy that can come from that type of giving, uh, knowing that people then glorify God oftentimes immediately after saying, Lord, how else, how else could this have happened? Uh, you get the glory and the honor and the praise in that. And it's an inexhaustible sort of giving. And, and it goes to say, Lord, let me be discerning of where can I do that? Um, let me do it. And then let me also think, how can I discernly do that? Where can I invest? Who are the people that I can give like crazy on, on behalf um, of you to say, you've given me this and I want to richly give to others as well? So imagine you're at Christ Central Church on a Sunday morning. For sure. Um, ministry times happen after service. Yeah couple comes up to you and they say, John, we recognize that as citizens of the kingdom of God, as an adopted daughter and an adopted son, um, Jesus has been generous to us. He has a heart for those in need, the poor. We're convicted and we want to move towards being generous. Where do we start? Oh man, that's so good. Um, I think the first place that, yeah, it's just so important to start is like, hey, let's get together and let's repent. Let's say, God, I want to say I'm sorry for holding on to my stuff. Mm-hmm. And just to realize like, I, my life is not my own. Lord, this belongs to you. Will you, God, allow my eyes to be open to the many different ways in the past that are out there? Second, I think a place to start is just like, who is within my life is going through? I'll never forget the day I found out one of my friends, he and his wife uh, were on the verge of like losing their home. One of my closest friends. Uh, All of a sudden, the need that I talk about in this ethereal way was far closer to me than I even realized. 
So it was just to say, like, opening my eyes to say, who is already in my life that is walking through? Third thing I would say is, like, within the different organizations that um, are around me or the people that are around me that might have some folks that are really going through, hey, man, if I wanted to learn from somebody who's going through and I just wanted to hear their story, how could I learn to hear somebody's story? Where, where does that happen? For Frontline, that might be a city rescue mission. Um, here in Edmond, that might be a Project 66. Um, that might be some of these folks that um, have uh, committed to helping out with housing or organizationally helping. And just the heart being, I just want to learn. Can you tell me what people who are in poverty, the other from me, what are they going through? Could you tell me, could you introduce me to somebody who could share their story? I think that would be a powerful place to start. So that's the listening part, the learning part and saying, okay, Lord, where can I start within my sphere of influence? Where's my town? Where's my community? What do I call home? That might look like going to downtown to the city and saying, hey, to the city councilor, do we have people who are in poverty here? Where do they live? The city knows. Here, even, even places where it hides, they know exactly where that's at. And to say, what are some of the things that they need? Could you point me in the right direction there? And at that point, acting out of what you do know and what you don't know, and even asking someone to say, will you come with me? I, I, I don't want to botch this. I don't want to treat people. I don't want to objectify people. And engaged and realize you're probably going to muck it up the first time. You're probably going to feel like I'm not doing this right. I, well, if you focus on doing it right and perfect, perfect is the enemy of that progress that you're trying to make to live that generous life. And then after all of that stuff, just do it. And it might look like you saying, hey, man, God bless you. I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. And you give him that money and say, could you tell me your name? I'm such and such. And then be willing to sit with them. Um, and then be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct you as he's called you to and not take for granted those that he's brought along your path. I think if we seek that out, the process itself will start to reshape our hearts and it will make us sensitive to make sure that toxic charity doesn't happen because I'm, I'm seeing people. I'm not seeing a project. I'm not throwing anything at them. I'm seeing a person to engage. It, it will prepare you to recognize your ineptitude, my ability to not know all the things. I don't have to know all the things. I know the creator who made them, and I know people who care for this almost professionally. I, for myself, I was God-given a calling to do what I do every day. I want to engage people to help them better do that. Um, there might be engaging there, but you don't have to be that person who does it 40 hours a week to be able to know how. It's just saying, step into what you know and what you don't know. And at that moment, if that humility is there and you're in it for the long game, developing a life of generosity, you'll be on the right path. I think starting with repentance, starting to know people that are in my sphere of influence, talking to those that might do this more often than me so I can walk into it, practicing it with a place of humility, and then being willing to do it for the long haul, no matter how uncomfortable it is, the Lord will honor that. I think the Lord will, will honor our hearts to say, I want to submit to your word and I ask you to teach me how to do this the right way, the most effective way. Mm -hmm. One of the things that just as a, as a part of the church and as a pastor of the church is beautiful about giving 
to those in need is just knowing that you should be a part of mm -hmm. a community, a local church, and thank God Christ Central and Frontline is one where just as a member, I can really celebrate the fact that these churches have a heart to give to those in need. Absolutely. Whether it's a end of the year compassion offering or just regularly, sacrificially, generously giving to the church through a tithe, that that money that we're giving is used to help people through the church and people come in the community to the church in need. And because people like us and people that we get to live in community with sacrificially give, that that's one of the main ways in our city that those who are needy, that those who are mm -hmm. poor are having those needs met because the church, the local church, is still that city on a hill where people know that they can come to for not just the need of a soul, mm -hmm. but for the practical need for food, for a bill, for the single mom that is not gonna make the mortgage this month. The beauty of even being here in Edmond is that a week doesn't go by that we aren't able to help someone in need and that's a reality because the members of our church faithfully, regularly, sacrificially give. Yeah, I think that that gift, um, he's using his church to establish his kingdom and care for the needs of people. I think it's huge. And it's not a replacement for what I do as an individual, it's a both and. Um, it's grabbing a hold of, Lord, my church is leading in this and I wanna follow them in that generosity and that's, that's huge.